All right, y'all. Things are too wild. It's out of control. I don't know what else to do except bring in the Jonathan Puddle. That's right, y'all. Jonathan Puddle, the other Jonathan, arguably I'm the other Jonathan, but the Jonathan from the North who also has a beard. This is a conversation on trauma-informed spirituality that I think is so important. That language of trauma, I think it speaks to all of us in some way. For many of us, it's going to really speak the language of your soul and your experience in particular ways that you need to hear. Jonathan is such a lovely human being. I cannot commend him more highly to you. I respect him so much. He's a wonderful friend. The time that we got to share here at DePaul was so important for me and for my own soul. He is someone that I do trust with my own soul. Uh, he's just that kind of person. So uh, if you're not familiar with Jonathan, I know a number of you would be. He is an award-winning writer, podcast host, children's pastor, and publishing consultant. The podcast, which is a podcast that I love, is a provocative and engaging interview show looking at the intersection of hope, love, and God. I hope you enjoy this conversation. As I've been doing, I want to get all the way out of the way and not jump back in. I will just say briefly right here out of the gate, I'm so grateful for those of you who are able to support the podcast in any way. Certainly for those of you who to support us on Patreon, thank you, thank you, thank you. Rolling out some, some new stuff there right now and just really grateful for those of you who have stuck it out supporting me that way, supporting the podcast. Uh, so thank you if you can do that. Liking, sharing, commenting, reviewing, any of those things always mean the world and legitimately help us be able to continue to, to do this work. But wherever you are, wherever you're coming from, hope that this will speak as much to you as it did to me. I know that this is content that I need to hear. And I love that I get to have these kind of conversations I just need to hear. Um, we hosted this here at DePaul University, where I serve as the director for the Center of Spiritual Life. So this was first for our students and community here, but also felt like a, a conversation the world needs to hear. So hope you enjoy it. Jonathan Puddle, let's talk about trauma-informed spirituality. who also has a beard, but he's from the very, very far north from Canada, whereas I'm clearly from the south. You can hear that when I talk. But Jonathan is a has become a dear friend to me. Uh, he's an author. In fact, in a few minutes, I'm going to say a little bit about his books in particular, but uh, he has a great podcast I love called The Podcast. And so uh, Jonathan is here with me. We wanted to continue online a conversation that we've been having uh, specifically about trauma-informed spirituality. Uh, and we we come, like everybody, particular people from particular places, a particular tradition. Uh, but I feel like no matter where you come from, what your tradition is, that this conversation around trauma and how that affects our spirituality, how it affects our sense of self, how we relate um, to ourselves and to our neighbors, uh, I feel like it's going to be relevant to you. And I love having this conversation because it's one that presses on so many things that are deeply personal for me, as I hope will be for you. I'm not trying to go on a whole thing here, Jonathan, but I feel like right now one of the things I'm loving about uh, university work is I feel like there's a sense of permission mm -hmm. that we kind of understand that nobody's well. Right. And, maybe, <laughs> and, and I'm sure that's always been true. But how wonderful it is to be able to say that, like that nobody really feels okay. Nobody exactly is doing all right. And, um, here, you here. Know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but first of all, John, it's the conversation we've been having, the time we have has already been so just deeply rejuvenating and restorative for my own soul. So I am thrilled that you're here. Welcome to DePaul. We're just so happy that you're able to spend this time with us. Thank you. It's delightful to be here. I, uh, I'm wearing 
my DePaul socks. Isn't that right? That Jonathan uh, <laughs> gave me. So, uh, yeah, what a beautiful campus mm. and, a, and a lovely city. Certainly this time of year with, with, yeah. with the leaves, the fall. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. I'm, it's I'm magic, enjoying, right? It is magic. I feel like it's really special. It's, it's really delightful. And just cool to me, you know, you, know, you touched briefly on the fact that we're, we're particular people that come from particular, yes. particular traditions. You know, for, for me, as, as for you, you know, we grew up in Christian faith. Mm-hmm. But just what a delight that within university life, yes, there there is a space devoted to spirituality mm. of all flavors, yes. of all faiths, yes. of all traditions and practices, with the acknowledgement that this is a part of a healthy, holistic human life. That's right. That's and right. So yeah, I, I love just even the sh- stories you've been sharing mm. with me the last couple of days about the connections and, fr- and genuine friendships and learning yes. that that's gone on for you yeah. uh, connecting with the local rabbis and imams yes. and yes. You know, celebrating Diwali the other mm-hmm. night and just how mm-hmm. I, I can see that that's enriching you. oh it's the richest so. professional experience I've had in my life mm. it's so beautiful and I'm not trying to like just riff on my things but because I've been thinking a lot about this and uh, since we've not done a lot of this in form of social media it's interesting how just kind of have the shift in perspective of you know um you don't have, kind of have to push spirituality towards the center of university life or anybody's life. It's already there because spirituality really is the connection between all things. That's it. So how we make meaning, hopefully, because there's so many things that we need to, that, about the world that need to be changed. Hopefully how we make mischief. But spirituality is how we connect, uh, the way that we connect our story to a broader story. So it's so cool to be part of that meaning-making, mischief-making uh, whenever I talk about DePaul at all, I'm always droning on about, you know, Gobin Methodist right here in the center of campus as the university has Methodist roots, but Martin Luther King preaching there September 5th, 1960. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's such a beautiful image of why in a world in which we have seen many toxic examples of religion, Absolutely. harm done in religion in the name of God, like whatever, but how there is this spirituality that is counterculture, that is counter witness, um, that forms people, uh, not only stand for beautiful things, but to resist things that need to be resisted. And how that, that kind of broader story does connect with people across traditions, across yes. belief systems, especially since I'm so convinced at this point that spirituality is much more, um, practices that we share that form communities as opposed to ideas about. Sure. Yeah, the divine yeah. or whatever else. So, uh, yeah, so it's a special time and a special place. Um, I, I do want to jump right in, Jonathan, in terms of, uh, what is it? Cause I know and it's been so helpful for me, the way that you talk about trauma, the way you talk about religious trauma. Um, I'm assuming what I know about where you come from, that you haven't been speaking that language your whole life. What is it that's, drawn you to language of trauma and like trauma and faith and maybe even um take us through a little bit how, how you define what trauma is why that word is yeah helpful. oh no it's a fantastic setup and i want to be clear at the outset i am i am not a therapist or a counselor i don't have mm. you know an ma in um psychology or, or any of these kinds of things i'm, I'm a learner and a, and a practitioner of, of my own work so mm. i learned like you see like you alluded to i didn't have this built into my understanding until the last handful of years. Mm. But I went through a period of, of deconstruction of my Christian faith mm-hmm. followed by, uh, you know, sort of a decolonizing and understanding how, how my social positioning as a white mm. heterosexual man was, had influenced my, my spirituality. And then probably the next most important thing in, in the development of my spiritual life was coming to understand Things about the brain, yeah. the body, what what the human experience of life on this earth can be like, mm. and how pain and suffering, unmet needs, yeah. abuse, acute traumatic events, mm. how deeply they shape us, mm. change us. And even uh, even set us up for life because you know these things that happen at a very very early age, even pre-birth, yeah. uh, will shape us. Mm. And and my belief is that God gets that. Yeah, that we're not beholden to some kind of arbitrary standard of what mm. it means to be a person. Mm-hmm. What it, what kind of performance and work and output 
is mm. required from the human life. Yeah. And so it's it's been taught to me mm. by experts. And then I went to therapy because I realized <laughs> I was not okay. Yeah. And and then uh and then it's it's just become you know meditation, mm. uh, spiritual contemplation infused with emotional regulation identifying what's happening in my brain mm. and body breath exercises mm. all of these kinds of things have become really intrinsic parts of my spiritual practice that now yeah. i cannot even understand how i how it wasn't a part before mm. and i suspect perhaps it actually was involved before i just didn't yeah. have language to describe yeah. it you know and now when i read you know the, t- the my holy text is is the hebrew scriptures and the new testament when i read the bible today now i see it everywhere yeah i see it yeah. in the psalms i see it in all these things mm. so i think it is intrinsic to life it's, cent- it's central to who we are so yeah. uh, to yeah. your question of what is trauma i know it's a big word that some people are going to be like oh yeah that's that bad thing that happened to my friend mm. at its most simplest level trauma uh, is what happens in the brain and body mm. when we experience something that is overwhelming. Mm. Now, not just overwhelming, but specifically overwhelming to our central nervous system, mm. our sympathetic nervous system, that is to say. So you've got this part of your, your brain, uh, the amygdala, you've got this whole uh, limbic system kind of at the inside here at the base, at the base of your brain at the top of your neck that is responsible for the fight flight reflex mm. pretty well known you know we know deer in headlights is frozen yeah. up these kinds of things there's a lot more to it than that and to be honest we're going to be blowing through things pretty fast sure but if you get a cut on your hand your body will heal it up and you'll end up with scar tissue mm. when something happens uh, actually anything that happens your your brain is interpreting for signs of danger so mm. all all day long this part of your brain is actively scanning saying am i safe am yeah. i safe does this feel good Am I in pleasure? Uh, is, am, I, am I in a good space? Am I, is there danger? Mm. And this is the part of your body that allows you to outrun a, a wild animal, to you know suddenly find the strength to move a heavy object that you couldn't mm. move. It's what's kept you alive yeah. uh, your, your entire life. Now, that part of your brain has like veto power mm. over other regions of your brain. Mm. So, you know, a lot of folks know sort of some of the ideas between the division between the left brain and the right brain. Yeah. Uh, right brain is responsible, generally speaking, for uh, emotion and memory. Mm-hmm. It has no concept of time, sequencing, things like that. The left brain is responsible uh, for language, rap, you know, and mm. conc- uh, complex rational thought, some of yeah. those kinds of things. So, so your, your amygdala and these associated parts of the brain have the ability to shut down things that are not useful for your survival. Mm. And so when something really scary and big happens, your brain is going to go, okay, uh, rational thought, worthless here, yeah. too slow. Yeah. Uh, we're going to shut that off and we need to prioritize survival. Mm. And that kind of happens all the time. But when that happens, but when something happens that's so overwhelming, mm-hmm. that's so beyond the resources that we have access to, an injury occurs within the brain. Mm. And so just like, you know, it, you, you could, like, imagine, okay, if, if I take a, a, a blunt knife yeah. and I come against your jacket, there's a, your skin has a resource covering it mm-hmm. that prevents an injury. Mm. Now, the, the fewer layers of jacket you have and eventually right. I'm against your skin, you didn't have enough resources yeah. to protect your skin from that injury. Well, this is what happens in the brain. Mm. And so that can happen from acute, specific things mm. like you're uh, a, a victim of abuse mm. or uh, you, or you witness an, an abusive situation. You, you know, you survive war or you, or you mm. witness war, you know, sexual assault or many different kinds of things. But it can also simply be the lack of something you really needed. Well, it can be an unmet need. Mm. And so the reality is every one of us probably has some areas of our brain mm. and, 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 you know, our body, because our body is, our brain is part of our body yeah. that carries varying degrees of injury, mm. of, of trauma. Mm. And so that doesn't need to be a big, bad, scary thing. Sure. But coming to understand how trauma 
changes our behavior and how our life reforms around that scar tissue, Mm -hmm. you know, metaphorical scar tissue within our brain informs the rest of our whole life. Yeah. Well, right. And, and can be a massive antidote to shame. Well, so again, mm. to, at its simplest level, trauma is what happens in the brain when you experience something that's, that overwhelms your nervous system's ability mm. to kind of cope with it, metabolize it, understand it, rationalize it. Um, trauma occurs at that point. Mm. And then we can have a whole conversation about life understanding the presence of trauma. Yeah. Um, John, I can tell you how helpful that is for me. For one... Um, for those of us who are people of faith, it's interesting because I know that for a lot of us, and I certainly know this still exists in the world, a sometimes a harsh division, a dichotomy between faith, science. But I also feel like there's so many for so many people, that is at least more reconciled than it used to be in mm-hmm. terms of there's basic realities of science, of the world, of nature, of you know, how life works that people have come to accept and to yes. see. Um, but it's so interesting, though, in these faith spaces where otherwise, um, and all the things, you know, we have our sacred text, we have these um, these powerful centers of, you know, value, meaning, and all of that. But when there's not, as has been the case for most of my life, any conversation about the brain, accepting science in that way, um, that these things that happen to us are very real and have very real and profound effects on might happen in our brain, but then affects our bodies, affects our relationships, affects everything about how we relate as humans. And it's just like the amount of stuff that is so real, but invisible. That's right. And I mean, I feel like, you know, it, 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 whether it's talking about trauma or for me, it's been so relative the last few years in this journey to come to really understand my ADHD. Why, how is, why and how is it sometimes that it seems like Oh, my brain absolutely shuts down. I'm doing everything with my power to make a certain kind of decision. My brain says no. And, I, you know, it does seem like for so often we have these responses to trauma, but then we're not over, able to overpower something. We can't just grit our teeth and like whatever. Then that's such a sense of shame. Is there's this idea that, well, no, you should be able to have a positive attitude, you know, uh, click your heels together three times, wish harder, think harder. and Have more faith. Absolutely. And whether or not people have that kind of world that we come from, it would be explicitly have more faith. I still feel like I see versions of that everywhere. Like people who otherwise very secular people, but there's this idea that you should have enough willpower, enough like whatever to just be able to overcome this because there's still not the sense that what happens in our brain is, is real. That's since it. not visible. That's it. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know how to state it. You know, it, in a way that can break through everyone's defenses. Mm. Cause I still wrestle with this all the time. Myself. Sure. Sure. But like, there's no, there's no standard of, of what it means to be a human life. Mm. There's no standard of what it means to work, to yeah. be productive. Yeah. Right. Like, like I used to work nine to five and, and I've, and I, and I've been self-employed and flexible for like five years, four mm. years now. And I still struggle if I don't put in eight hours, wow. but no yeah. one determined that eight yeah. hours was, uh, some kind of peak or ideal human output. Sure, sure. We only have a 40-hour work week because mm. somebody who was having to do hundreds of hours of work a week yeah. petitioned and it got brought down to 40 hours. Mm. But that doesn't mean that any necessarily mean that anybody can or should be doing 40 right. hours a week. Right. So I feel like we have we we are invited and allowed to prime to even at the beginning just say you get to choose what it means to be a human. Mm. And what yeah. the outputs of your life are going to look like. Yeah. And how hard you push. Mm. No one decides that for you. Yeah. No one uh you know prescribes that and and, mm-hmm. and hasn't researched what is ideal or anything anything like that. So I feel like yeah. but you're right, it's a huge problem and it's and it and exists within religious contexts as well yes. as as well as in secular contexts. Yes. You know, so the the, the fact is we are emotional machine creatures yes who have developed the ability to think right often i think we think we think of ourselves the other way around yeah, right that, that we are just right. these these brains mm-hmm. and the only thing a brain does is has rational sensible thoughts right and a brain that just kind of floats through the cosmos yes yes uh 
But that's completely bogus. Yeah. Right. Like we we are these complex mixture of of, of bones and, and sensory organs, and mm. skin that respond, that feel mm-hmm. everything, that respond mm-hmm. to everything. Yeah. Emotions develop like like animals have aspects of this of emotionality who mm-hmm. don't have complex thought. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. it's it's earlier in the in the evolutionary chain. Mm. Emotion is a much more foundational thing than, than rational complex yeah. thought is. Yeah. And so there's all the, there's all these different layers that that, that go in there. Mm. And and certainly if you I think grew up in the West as we have done, it's very rational, heavy. Yes. That's that's what the brain is good for. Right. Uh, the brain keeps you alive. The brain has done all these wonderful things. The brain is intrinsically mm. involved in every emotion, everything you ever feel. Yeah. And if you don't feel you're not healthy. If you, yeah. if, if you don't feeling your emotions, you can't be spiritually healthy. You know, mm. uh, I love, uh, as Pete Scazzaro, you, you know, yes, you can't yes. be spiritually healthy if you're not emotionally healthy. Yeah. So the interplay between mm. all of that is, is immense. Mm. And when it comes to trauma, it, the influence is go, it goes multiple ways. This is not just, mm. uh, like, well now, now there's trauma. Right. The, the fact is, is spirituality can be a resource mm. to you mm. and influence whether hard things cause trauma in your life or well, not. At the same time, trauma that you have in your life will impact your spirituality. Yeah. It will impact the spiritual practices yeah. that feel good and right and safe and life-giving mm. to you. And, and of course, we can't uh, deny and you know that uh, religion yeah. has been profoundly traumatic yes. and toxic for many people. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we see that in, in Christian spaces, but I, I, I know many, you know, honest, courageous people from other traditions of faith yes. who are pointing out yeah. aspects of their traditions yeah. that have been, that have brought death rather than life mm-hmm. that have, that have sown hatred rather mm-hmm. than love. Yeah. And so it's not like Christianity has the market cornered right. on, <laughs> being problematic for the soul. Absolutely, yeah. But, of course, certainly in, in this part of the world, uh, Christianity has had the largest access to the microphone yeah. for the longest time. Yeah. Or or pseudo-Christianity, at, at, at the very least. Sure. So, uh, you know, I, I think I think talking about trauma uh, from the outset, I think it's really interesting to consider that spirituality can be a resource. Mm. So, you know, we talked about trauma as being uh, a mm. la- about a lack of resources, right. not having enough, which, again, is not a source of shame. Yeah. It's not your fault that you didn't have enough to survive that thing. Mm-hmm. You were doing the best you could. I mean, Brene Brown has been so so helpful with this. And saying, You've only ever been doing the best you could yeah. with what yeah. you had access That's to. Right. It doesn't absolve you of responsibility for pain sure. you've caused. Sure. But you didn't wake up and choose violence. Mm. I don't think any of us mm. do ever. Mm. So, so you know, the, there's a ton of research on the fact that human beings are generally spiritual, yeah, right? And spirituality yes. is generally considered a healthy, helpful thing yes. in a holistic human life. Yeah. Now that can look any number of different ways, right? Mm-hmm. You talked about spirituality as this, this central thing that connects us, mm. right? So, so we're not talking strictly about you know, religious practices, right. uh, adherence to a text or, or visiting a, a holy site. Yeah. But, but that more mysterious aspect of, of life uh, mm-hmm. that we might call, that we might call spiritual life. Yeah. We all have it. Absolutely. We all have it. And uh, we actually, I think most of us want to talk about it. Yeah. I think most of us are scared to talk about it. Yeah. And even in a therapeutic context, uh, there's been some fascinating research from Dr. Holly Oxhandler to say that in in therapy, mm. something like four out of five clients want their therapist to include their spirituality wow. in their therapy care. Oh, that's interesting. So, like, that's a huge majority. Yeah. 80% want their spirituality included mm. in their spiritual care. They also want their therapist to be the one to bring it up. Oh, well, okay. Now, you might already start to imagine where the disconnect occurs. Yeah. Because from my understanding, a lot of therapists might get a single credit course Mm. on spirituality in their entire uh, training program. Yeah. And so so there's this – so spirituality is like 
intrinsic to us. Mm-hmm. It's healthy for us. Mm-hmm. It's a part of us that we can't even deny. Right. And it can actually be a resource. Mm. You know, when when things happen, like, and I think I think we know this. If we didn't already know it, we know it from COVID. Yeah, sure. Right, because for two years, okay. Well, first of all, suddenly, out of nowhere. Everything in your life changed. Yeah. You learned new language. Yeah. You had to learn new language. Right. You had to adopt new practices and ways of being and living yeah. in, a, in a shocking way. And so practices, rituals, mm. you know, you, 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 even to, to the simple level of going to get your coffee. Yeah. You know, everything changed and then stayed broken and changed for mm. a long time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the spiritual rhythms and practices of your life resource you yeah. like a, in, in, in a way that then that then are, are life-giving and helpful to you mm-hmm. and so when when hard stuff happens you may be more robustly able to metabolize and endure those hard things mm. without a, a, a trauma injury occurring right mm. you like do, do you know what i'm saying yeah like, absolutely like i'm i'm so much more aware of not being okay yeah since covid yeah. like i feel fragile I feel profoundly fragile yeah. after COVID. Mm-hmm. And I think that's partly from what COVID did to me. Yeah. Partly the resources that COVID took away from me. Right. But partly actually probably an awareness, a, an a burgeoning awareness. Mm. Maybe I've always been this fragile. Yeah. Wow. And haven't called it for what it is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, spirituality as rhythms and practices, I think it can be really resourcing for mm. us and give us something that we can draw on. But I mean, that's not even to, to touch on the the real connection with the divine. Yeah, you know, depending on what your spiritual practices look like, yeah, uh, and and what kind of spirituality you you practice and embody, mm. you know, the the companionship of the divine. Yeah, the 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 care and sense of love. And acceptance yes. that, like, we are dying for, mm. that we struggle to receive from our nearest and dearest, right. that we barely have any concept of how to offer to ourselves. Yeah. You know, we we can experience that in a mysterious, direct way from the divine, mm. which, which, again, can resource us to come through otherwise difficult things yeah. without a trauma injury occurring. Mm. At least that's been my experience. Yeah. <laughs> How do you gauge? Because I feel like I wonder if for some of us, like the almost the um, the temperature needs to be lowered a little bit in the room in terms of how we think about trauma. Because I know, and I know for some people, this would work the opposite direction. Maybe um, depending on what system you come from, maybe you do see other people struggling, and it's hard to acknowledge their trauma. I know for me, it was opposite of that. Like I'm, I have no problem being sensitive, empathetic to the idea that, okay, the people around me have experienced trauma. But for me, it's like, oh no, I'm sure it really wasn't that bad. This is me feeling sorry for myself. I just need like, what? I was so slow to accept any language. In my case, some of it's around religious trauma as trauma uh, there, there was interior resistance to that. Maybe for other people, it's a sense that, well, I'm just supposed to be stronger, like whatever. Um, I also think, you know, it's kind of like, not that we want to trivialize the word, but I feel like it's unhelpful too. Like when, if the word is too weighty, then it makes me unable to acknowledge. Like one of the things I've had to look at recently, it's like, okay, what are the ways in my life that unintentionally I've caused trauma for other people? Right. But if my narrative is basically like, well, I'm a good person and only a wicked person causes trauma, then I'm not able to see. <laughs> yes. So it's just like, what are the kind of the markers? How do we recognize if we have been through a trauma? How do you how do you know? How does trauma like show up? Yeah. So then that's that's brilliant. Very insightful, because I think I think I know for me, at least trauma kind of has the connection with the word abuse. Yeah, that's right. right. Yes. And so. If I've been traumatized, right. then I'm asking the question. If, if, if someone suggests that I've been traumatized, then yeah. I'm asking the question into, naturally, when when was I abused? Mm. And I might look at my life and I go, mm. never. Mm-hmm. I've never been a victim of abuse. Mm-hmm. Conversely, 
if I'm working through a relationship with somebody and, and they have been traumatized by me, mm. am, am I now an abuser? Yeah. That, that yeah. is a lot of baggage there. Yes, yes. But I, I think we can we can divorce those two words from one another, mm. which is not to say that abuse doesn't cause trauma. Sure. It does. Yeah. But, but they are separate things. Mm. And so, so to know, have you been traumatized in any way? Uh, you know, I touched already on this, on this idea that, that there's these acute things that happen to us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes what we call big T trauma. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then the little T trauma is the, the sins of omission, mm. the unmet needs, the things that you haven't experienced. Mm. And those are a lot more difficult to identify. Yeah. Sure. Right? Like if you're looking back, you know, you, You've had an otherwise pleasant childhood mm-hmm. with parents who are doing their best, and you're at university and you just are struggling mm. and things are just not working, and you know that you've had been given every opportunity in life, and you look back on your life and you can't see any obvious problems. Mm. You know, most of us are going to look at ourselves and go, I must be the problem. Yes, yes. Right? Because we, we, we can't identify, it's very difficult at least to identify the unmet needs. Mm-hmm. So there's a few ways that, that you could look at that. One is to say, is every, are you living a full and abundant life in every mm. single sphere? Mm. Are you free to love and live in every way you could be? Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I have kids. I have hobbies. I have, Various careers. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm confronted daily by things that don't work. Sure. By things in my life that I'm struggling to do. Yeah. And, and so is all of that a result of trauma? No. Mm. But that's a helpful, helpful thing to say. Okay. If there's areas of, and I don't just mean, okay, I don't just mean things you haven't learned how to do. Yeah. I mean, like, I've been trying to, I've been trying to do this thing for five years. Mm. I've been trying to change this aspect of myself. Yeah into something more healthy and generative for a mm. long time mm-hmm. and nothing's moving. Mm-hmm. Like there's a stuckness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you've, if you've ever identified a stuckness, mm. great. That's a, that's a, a trailhead yeah. that you could explore. Another thing is, is to ask, have you ever been triggered? Mm. You know, have you ever had a level 10 reaction yeah. to something that, that maybe only afterwards you could see was actually only really a level two kind right, of situation. Right. You know, and something reared up in you, mm. and you're kind of like, "Holy crap! What what was that?" Mm. Okay, that's another mm. great trailhead to explore and say, "Okay, maybe that's good." There's some things that have happened. Maybe there there's some stuff in there that's worth exploring. Mm. And you know, if if those don't work for you, then I would throw out a blanket kind of catch-all <laughs> and say, "Did." Did you and ask, did you choose to be born? Mm. Jonathan Martin, did you choose to be born? I did not choose to be born. You did not choose to be born. Mm-mm. I had I'm, no say. Me neither. You had no say. <laughs> you did not give consent. Mm. You did not give consent yeah. to exist here in this earth. I did not. Okay. Good to know. If you could have given consent to exist here in the first place, in this world of pain and suffering and doubt and fear... Would you have chosen to exist in such a frail form as a human body? I, I would not. <laughs> not <laughs> I don't think I would. would. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I mean, I know that sounds weird, maybe, and kind of almost kooky, but yeah, at, yeah. This, at this fundamental, existential, mm. philosophical space, mm. none of us chose to even be here. Yeah. Well, we didn't choose to exist <laughs> so good. in bodies that die. Mm. You know, like. Yeah. Like that, that shit's unfair. Yeah, as far as yeah, I'm concerned, absolutely. Now, I think life is worth living, and I think yeah. there's a, a ton, and I think these these human bodies are actually wonderful. Mm-hmm. But all that to say, you know, through no fault of your own, yeah, you were brought into a world full of pain in yes. which you're gonna die. Yeah, hopefully not soon. Yeah, hopefully not soon. But that's the. That's the the bounds of this right, thing, right? And I I think I think it's okay to look at that mm. and consider that at some point, as a fetus, mm-hmm. your tiny brain and body figured that out, yeah, yeah, and went WTF. Mm. 
I think we're essentially all born mm-hmm. with this kind of, in a sense, a trauma yeah. of existence. Yeah. Right. I mean, we, we the, to be born the old fashioned way requires our body to be smushed and contorted yeah. to the point where a newborn like looks like a weird alien. Mm-hmm. You know, just just being born, mm-hmm. your body has to contort to the the to your mother's pelvis shape. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. how outrageous is that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's traumatic. Mm-hmm. And so I I, I think uh, I think we all carry something. Yeah. Whether we'd like to, whether it's big, whether it's bad, whether it dictates our behavior, whether we mm-hmm. realize it dictates our mm-hmm. behavior or not. I think it's worth making the assumption. We mm. probably have stuff in there that's worth exploring. Yeah. Whether it's acute or whether it's just unmet need. Mm. I say just. Yeah. Because that's the way we, we minimize it ourselves. But it's no less real and no less traumatic. I love that because I feel like there's, so much, there's such a sense of permission given when we think about trauma that way. And even this idea that we don't, we don't choose our own existence, that... Um, there, there's just, there are things that happen to us. Life happens to us. And it's not necessarily about assigning blame any particular direction, but at least having enough um, understanding of ourselves and like to be able to recognize these things that happen alter the course of... Um, so I'm thinking a lot right now, for example, you know, I know like for me where I feel like some of this has, has shown up in ways where I feel like I've kind of had to... Uh, again, a little bit grudgingly at first, but we're just reluctant again because I feel like, oh, I should just be able to. But shifts in terms of capacity, there are things I used to be able to do yeah. without blinking. Yes. Didn't cross my like not like whatever, that I cannot do now, right. that I can't do the same way. Right. Uh, when I'm reflective or when I have time to see, I can see certain things happened in my life that caused those things to shift. And I think so, but I think that the acknowledgement of that frailty to even be able to say, there are some things that I used to know what it was to maybe do this very naturally or organically. Right. doesn't happen that way now. The, right. the wiring is going to change. Right. I don't mean to get <laughs> too like left field here, but it's funny around being the level of NBA fan that I am. And I'm not saying like, this is not, uh, you know, I, I don't, again, don't want to trivialize trauma in some way, but it's funny right now, like the new NBA season started Two two athletes, Ben Simmons, the New Jersey Nets, and Russell Westbrook, who I love with the Lakers. And I mean, Westbrook's like 33, but uh, Ben Simmons is still very young. But basically, when he was with the 76ers, had like a catastrophic meltdown as a player. Cost, you know, seemed to cost his team like the Eastern Conference Finals and all that. And with him and Westbrook kind of in a different way, doesn't seem like the physical decline is so much. But it's clear like mentally something happened in that. It's like the sense of like rejection. And it's wild to see like world-class athletes with this level of gifting. But when they encounter certain kind of rejection, certain kind of like whatever, all of a sudden you're like stuck up here and mechanics don't work the same way. And again, now maybe that's very meta to talk about like sports in that way. But I feel like that's just the, the language I wonder if a lot of us can understand, like being able to be gentle enough with ourselves to say like, yeah, there are some things I used to be able to do a certain way that I'm not able to do with the same kind of freedom and that's exactly validity right. now. And there's probably a story there. There's no, probably something that needs to be unpacked. Categorically, yes. Categorically, mm. yes. Like, you know, and I think this, I think sports is, is helpful. Uh, if you if you get an injury on your on your leg, okay, let's just make it real simple. If you get a cut, yeah, you know, on on a particular area of your elbow or your knee, mm. you're going to end up with a scar on that area. And if it was a pretty bad cut or you needed stitches, you're going to have a big chunky scar. Yeah. And then you're going to find next time you try and rest your elbow on something, mm. it's going to hurt and feel yeah. weird. Yeah, you're not going to be able to get down on that knee the way you used to. I, right. I've got a, I've I've irritated my IT band because I went on a like 50 mile hike last week, Ooh. and and just at your house earlier, I bent down to, to scratch Stella, and uh-huh. I just got down on my knee. Something I do a hundred times a day. Yeah. Something I don't yeah. even think about. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and I got mm-hmm. weird about it. Wow. So trauma in the in the brain, mm-hmm. it's just a brain injury. Yeah. It's just yes. an injury that exists within your your network of neurons right. in, in your in your thought in your brain. Mm-hmm. It affects the way you think, affects the way you feel, affects the way you do things. Yeah. Affects the way you think, affects the way you remember events mm-hmm. in your life. Jeez. And so it's going to affect your spiritual life. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, you've got a particular area. Again, we continue this analogy of scar tissue. It's not mm-hmm. perfect, but mm-hmm. it, it works. You're, you're going to maybe, some of us are going to avoid that area in the brain. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe rituals or practices or lines of thought or even simple mm-hmm. trust, mm-hmm. faith. You know, I remember a time when my faith in God was simpler than mm-hmm. it was today. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I've experienced certain betrayals yeah. and losses and yeah. tragedies. And sometimes it's, I feel like my, it's a minefield. Yeah. Through my through my mind mm-hmm. when I'm connecting with God mm-hmm. and there's all this baggage and mm-hmm. there's all these these landmines that I'm kind of like my spiritual life now needs to curve around some of these areas because right. if I if I try to run, run straight through the way I used to do yeah something's gonna blow up mm-hmm. now some of us I think end mm-hmm. up in a, in, a, in the opposite scenario where instead of avoiding instead of trauma causing us to avoid certain behaviors in our spiritual life. Trauma actually binds us. Oh, wow. It yeah. glues us, traps us to mm-hmm. certain spiritual behaviors. Mm-hmm. That can be, I think, both ac- acute in, in terms of like, you know, I'm, I'm stuck doing this. Right. Because I can't, I can't imagine a life away from it. Mm-hmm. And then it can be kind of like a reversal where everything else, my brain has interpreted that everything else is dangerous. Yeah. Wow. And the only thing that's safe mm. Is this one tiny path, yes. which might also be incredibly painful and destructive to me. Ooh. I might even I might even know that to some degree. But there's just not really any alternatives. Yeah. Yeah. In my own private calculus mm-hmm. of life. Mm-hmm. And and that's going to be unique to each of us. Mm. And and there's and there's, there's there's myriad mutations and permutations of of those kinds of uh Breakdowns and in response yeah. to the ways that the trauma is going to shape your spiritual yeah. practice, but I think a simple a simple frame of reference. You use the word freedom. You know, I'm less free to do this. And I think that's that's very smart. Is is spirituality is spiritual practice a wide open free field of oh, joy for you? Wow. Hmm. Or does it feel a little more like a landmine? Yeah. Or does it perhaps feel like a swampy bog? Yeah. Or like a scary dark forest? Yeah. All of those are worth exploring hmm. and saying, okay, why? Why Why might this be? I mean, start, you know, okay, curiosity is really important for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can start with, with trying to diffuse that. Yeah. That Sorry, not, not diffuse the curiosity, diffuse that. Any sense of shame that comes yes, up. Because I think yes. we, we naturally have like a, when we say why, what we really mean is, uh, why am I like this? Right, yeah, Not, sure. not genuinely, I wonder why yeah. I'm like this. Yeah. You know, but we do it in this in this self-hatred kind, right. of, kind of way. Right. Why am I this broken? Absolutely. Okay. So, all right. I'm the way I am. Mm. Uh, things have happened to me. Mm. I have responded to those things as best I knew how. Mm. Sometimes I responded in really good ways and healthy ways. Sometimes I responded in ways that were unwittingly destructive. Mm. Never woken up and chosen violence. But, yeah. but maybe I chose something that looked good in the moment yeah. and looked necessary and healthy and safe. But, mm. but I actually in time became its own source of destruction in my life. Yeah. But I didn't know that. Yeah. So I'm not going to shame myself for that. Mm. Nobody wakes up and decides they're going to become an alcoholic. Right. You know, sure, you're looking sure. to staunch the bleeding. You're looking to stop the That's pain. Right. That's right. Okay. So I'm going to start by saying, okay, I am the way I am. Mm. I'm worthy of exploration. I'm lo- I'm worthy of love. I'm, I'm an interesting person mm. worth getting to know. I wonder why, I struggle with this, or I wonder why I'm so drawn to this mode of spirituality. Mm. I wonder why this religion is 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 where I've camped out for so long. Yeah. Uh, what does that say about me? What does that mm. say about my upbringing? Mm. What does that say about the the culture that I that I grew up in? Right. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, you and I, I think have have been doing work in terms of our social locations yes. as as yes. white men in, in this time and, and space. Um, what what does it mean to follow Jesus for you and mm-hmm. I when mm-hmm. Jesus has been portrayed sometimes in harmful, hurtful ways right. and, and other aspects of, of the Jesus that I follow mm. that have nothing to do with Jesus of the four Gospels, with yes. Jesus of Nazareth. Yes. Um, you know, so I think all those things are worth exploring. Are, are you free? Do you do you have a wide open field of joy mm-hmm. to practice your spiritual life within? If If not, get curious. 
start asking some of those questions. There's no room for shame there. There's no mm-hmm. need or shame's not helpful. But uh, take some of those things as trailheads yeah. to explore. I was early this morning, and of course, a very um, feel like there's something water from the conversation we've been having. I feel like that's been so healing for me, so good for me. But uh, this morning, when I was doing just some basic content stuff for the Center of Spiritual Life, because I had these heavy words in the front of my brain, but I feel like curiosity and wonder kept coming out in terms of like what spirituality about, what's it for, what would we hope to cultivate. And it's so interesting. I know like depending on people's location and I never would presume to understand where anybody else is within their own tradition. But it's so interesting to me because I feel like, you know, theoretically, right. So, so much of the function of spirituality at its best is it does give us resources to be able to handle trauma to be able to handle pain, to process it and all that. It's so heartbreaking for me that I do feel like there are a lot of people for whom most, if uh, if not all of their faith experience some way, it's just riddled with fear and anxiety. <laughs> and it's like to where it's almost all it is is, bad. is a constant shame consciousness. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, there's never a time you get to be at home in your own skin or your own body. There's never a time when you don't feel like you're doing something wrong. Yeah. There's never a time when you don't feel like, you know, uh, I think about young, very churchy Jonathan who couldn't, you know, it was like trying to think if there's anything else I needed to repent of between shooting free throws at the free throw line because I figure if I didn't, God would let me hit the next free throw. So there are no no moments from freedom, just like constant yeah. stew of anxiety. Yeah. So um, I do think it's just like that's just it's such a, it's such an interesting thing to talk about is where what happens when something that should be a resource for recovery and for healing and making meaning becomes yes. like this is where the wounding is. Absolutely. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. I, I think it would be remiss of us to, to not tackle that head on in the sense that religion has been profoundly traumatizing mm. for many, many people. I don't think it has to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it ever should have been. Yeah. But it certainly has. Mm. Um, mm. You know, I, 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 I grew up being taught this kind of original sin idea. Sure. And when and. Whether this was ever explicitly taught to me or not, what it basically boiled down to, mm. and like you said, young Jonathan, young Jonathan's <laughs> framework of life was, yes. I didn't choose to be here, mm. but I'm cursed. Wow, well, yeah. Because I was born from a woman. Mm. And so <laughs> if if I don't well. if I don't find God and and opt in to mm. his system and opt out. If I don't opt out of the sin world yeah. that I never even consensually opted into sure. in the first place. Sure. But if I don't opt out of that, then I get tortured by flames Ooh. for all eternity. Well, wow. because God is good and righteous. Mm. And that yeah. <laughs> like, that's lo- like, that's, that's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's lo- logically incoherent, mm-hmm. and and some of the most damaging, downright evil things we could possibly say about the divine. Yes. Well, so, it's so heartbreaking for me because I feel like what happens in two, which is where I feel like I w- I do want to gently push people to be reflective about those things they'll experience. Is that when you have that kind of framework of again of a spiritual where there's that much fear and anxiety, people who are not don't know how to be gentle with themselves, don't know how to be tender with themselves. You can't be gentle with others. It oh, no, absolutely no, affects no. the way you relate in the world. That's right. If that's been like, it, it, no matter how well intentioned you might be, that's right. Um, if that's what's in you, that's what you're gonna. That's what you're gonna project out. That's right. That's right. And you know, you can dress it up any number of ways. Yes. But, but when squeezed, yeah, that's what leaks out. Yeah. So you know, again, in in my tradition, I'm gonna look at the words of Jesus, mm. and I hear Jesus say. I came to give life mm. and life to the fullest. Yeah. I hear Jesus say that he came to set captives free mm. Mm. and inaugurate a kingdom yeah. of this Jewish word, this Hebrew word jubilee, mm. which is where debts were forgiven. Yeah. Land that had been lost was returned to its ancestral owners. Mm-hmm. Essentially, 
all things wrong were made right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, I've had to kind of rebuild my religion mm. around that. Mm. I say, okay, if you said these words, yeah, those words ring true to me. Mm. You know, as I get older and as I sit in contemplation and meditation and as I practice love, those words feel true. Yeah. Those words feel eternal. Yeah. Those words tap something bigger than this moment by moment life. Mm. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to those. Yeah. I don't necessarily have to come up with answers for the, the other words that are also in these sacred texts mm-hmm. that don't have a ring of something true and eternal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what to do with all of those, but I don't sure, have to know sure. what to do with all of those. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so, I, I mean, I walked away from a lot of my religious practices for a long time, mm-hmm. but then I, but then I re-encountered God and re-encountered divine love. And it, mm. it, it wooed me. Wow. Like it, it captured my heart's attention. Yeah. And so like, I, I couldn't give a toss if, if you're, mm. if you turn up at church on Sunday, sure. or if you do this program or, yeah, or, yeah. or, or what your cosmology is or, yeah. or w- whether you followed Jesus the way I do or not. I, mm-hmm. I, I think what, <laughs> I think love is is big enough yeah. and, and yeah. The, to to capture all of us yeah. and, and to catch to capture and to rescue and redeem and, and hold and yes. heal yes. all of us each and every one of us. There are, of course, I, I know that there are certain religious frameworks where we're not able to follow our intuition. A lot of people are told not to listen to themselves. Some version of leaders say, "Don't listen uh, to yourself. You have to listen to me," which is. Uh, always a bad sign, but it's so, I really do think at this point, it's this simple and we, it needs to be kept this simple in a way. It's like, okay, are the, this, this system, this community, these practices, does it, does it ultimately work towards something that's generative, life-giving, compassionate, kind, lead to human flourishing? Yes. Or does it restrict? Does it oppress? Does it burden? Does it make life harder for yourself and for others within your community? We are actually able to discern those things. We, and I yes. Think, you know, like, <laughs> these things are pretty measurable. You know? Absolutely. So. <laughs> and, absolutely. I love that. And, and then, like, you know, that, that gives meaning. Not that these things are without meaning. Yeah. But that, that reveals the interplay, shall we say, between spirituality and art. Yes. yes. And literature. Mm. And music mm. and nature, right? Right. right. Like, does do those things expand your life? Yeah. And are they generative forces? Yes. In in your life, I think most of us could could readily say, yeah, I've, I've read yes. at least one book, or yes. or listened to one album, or mm-hmm. or watched some film, or had had a moment looking out at the blue sky or the stars or or snow falling, yeah, north, or you know what whatever. Mm. Um, and felt it open us up in some way, yeah. invite us to something right. a little bigger and, and richer and more mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then you just had a spiritual experience, my friend. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and you can continue to do that. Mm. And you can also explore right. uh, more spiritual practices yes. and yes. lean into that sense of wonder and awe and joy. Yeah. And say, okay, what if I what if I camped out on that for a year? Mm-hmm. What if I spent five years? exploring wow. that and, and letting that also inform areas of my life that are resistant to joy, yeah. that are resistant to love, mm. areas that are, that are so ruled good. by fear mm. uh, and saying, okay, what's here? And, and how can I then even embody that divine love yeah. that's captured my attention, that's yes. wooing my heart? Yes. And how can I woo and love my own heart mm. and embody that divine love mm. as I, in, in my space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if we were doing that, yeah, our religions would be a lot less toxic. <laughs> I so believe it. I so believe it. You know, we kind of, I mean, it's so, it's my experience thus far here at DePaul's Center for Spiritual Life. I mean, on the one hand, I mean, we celebrated Diwali this week, which was amazing. Um, getting to walk very closely with our Jewish community here through Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Uh, we'll have a thing next week for 
the Day of the Dead. Uh, you know, there'll be a big Advent, uh, kind of a Christmas tree lighting celebration we do. All these things that are wonderful. But one of the things I could have never imagined before I got here, it's like as much as like it's, you know, we're so, we want people to deepen the particularity of their tradition. Yes. And we, that's good for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, not trying to flatten that particularity, but deepen it. But um, even here, like behind me, because uh, all this is new, the record player and the records and all this, but it really felt like there was such a sense early on of, um, and it's so simple, it's so low key, but this thing we just started on Wednesday nights of 8 to 10 p.m. having this soul night thing with the whole idea is listen to music on vinyl, unplug, so it's kind of all analog. Uh, so a gentle invitation, not policing, but like uh, no electronics, nap, read, listen to music. Precisely because there's the sense that I just have to believe that when we have those kinds of human experiences, they're always going to take us somewhere good. But so many of us are kind of in the storm all the time. Like it's nearly impossible to find space to come up for air long enough to have those kinds of like human experiences. So it's interesting how now, like, I don't know, from a place where that used to be so much more narrow for me, but now it's like everybody's lives are narrow in a way because it's all like, there's so much and I, wonderful life giving things happen on the internet and I'm minimizing that, but there's so much digital noise and all the voices, like whatever, just space for your soul. Yes. Just be a human to be in your body, to even know what it is that you're feeling. You know, I feel like whether trauma, like all the things that we just were plowing through, we have no idea what's happening in here or here because we're so detached from yeah. the reality of ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I love that you're doing that. And I think it's so important, you know, uh, for me, I've been learning that uh, Sabbath can can maybe yes. that was the point. Yeah, you know, it wasn't. Yeah. Like this, you know, I mean, Jesus said that Sabbath is is for us, not right. not the other way around. And right. I, I never understood that. I think until I began to slow down. Ooh, yeah, like I need to be present. Yes, and then yes. this is where life is. That's right. It's, it's not anywhere else. That's right. It's not in the future or the past. It's it's here. It's right here. It's so right I, mean, here. I, I love that you're promoting that, and uh, excited to see. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, thanks so much for being here. What an amazing, what a beautiful conversation. And I just want to encourage people who are listening, people who are watching, just to, um, and we'll we'll maybe mention a couple of resources here, but in general, I hope folks will continue to ask some of these questions, take Mm -hmm. some time to listen to themselves and their bodies. I know we'll provide some further conversation that I hope people will check out because then this is so important. Um, You've written a couple books, so I do want to plug Jonathan Puddle's books. You Are Enough, and your most recent Mornings with God, Daily Bible Devotional for Men. And women. It's like, there's like, no, there's hardly any gendered content. Okay. That was what my publisher wanted to call the book. I see. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I have to put that disclaimer. And your podcast, I thought you said, I know that's been such a wonderful resource for me. I'm just so thankful for the journey that you are, especially in, because it does feel like there is space right now being carved out in some of these disciplines that is... More or less new, not that the realities haven't been there, but the intersections, like really, um, and it's so, I mean, I, we've talked about this a good bit, how exciting, for all the things that are so heavy about this time of being in the world, how exciting it is that we're learning all these things about our brains, we're learning all these things about our bodies, and now that we get to bring our faith traditions and our faith stories that help us make meaning, all that stuff, we, you know, it's part of our whole selves, we bring it, but then be able to bring those things to the table and explore yeah. Yeah. how that interacts. So exciting. Oh, I agree. I'm thrilled. I love it. It's exciting. It is. It's what a time. What a time to be a human being. What a time to be a human being. So many, so many things that are like they're heartbreaking and hopeful and sort of I would seriously, it sounds I feel like it's such a cliche. It sounds like I don't know if it sounds like an old person thing to say, or maybe this is whatever I says when they're working like at a university. It is wild how much more hopeful <laughs> I, I feel about like humanity, like since being here the last few months is sort of like, you know, just the students are, I just think are like that. You know, it's like there's the extraordinary should, yes. capacity. The more, <laughs> the more I look at, uh, the news. Yeah. Translation, older folks. Yes. Yes. The less hope I have. Absolutely. Yeah. And the more I look at my children. Yeah. Uh, a couple of whom are teenagers now. Mm. And the more I see what's coming out of their lives, yes. the more full of hope I am. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, this is going to not just be okay. Right. This is going to be good. Yes. Yes. I'm definitely a, I'm definitely a, the kids are all right person. It's so hard <laughs> for me to see it any other way. It's like the kind of, you know, it's kind of like, man, like there, there is absolutely the, some of these, 
things that I feel like are not intuitive at all for us that seem kind of baked into like it's just it's always weird to me when people have embraced these narratives of it's all just going down here like you you must not know anybody <laughs> like under 25 it's kind of you know just sort of <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us thank you Jonathan for a lovely conversation uh, jonathanpuddle.com is the website and of course you're on Instagram so yeah, I think you can see that tag at Jonathan Puddle. But thank you all for being here. Thank you for joining us um, for what has, for me, been such a generative, life-giving conversation, speaking of those things. And uh, we will see you real soon. Take care. Good night, everybody.